I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Prusser. I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing, and joining me today is my good buddy, John Troopin. John, how are you doing? Doing just fine, Kate. How about yourself? Uh, doing well. Excited. Baseball is back-ish. Uh, it's nice to have things to recap that are going on in the field again, so that part is fun, and we'll definitely have a podcast coming to you covering the latest news out of Mariners Camp, but today... We are going to do a deep dive on pitching. For those of you who love pitching out there, uh, our guest is Mariners prospect Jared Bayless. Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to be on. Tell us where you're coming to us from. I'm coming to you from Dallas, Texas. I'm at Dallas Baptist University currently right now. Just hanging out here during the quarantine. Which is your alma mater, so you are not close to home, right? Well, I mean, you're close in the grand scheme of things, but maybe, but not close, close. Yeah, relative to Texas, it's pretty close, just about three hours away, but um, yeah, I travel back on the weekends to go see family, and that's not too bad. That's great, and uh, you've been keeping yourself entertained in your downtime in quarantine. What have picked up any quarantine skills, hobbies? Um, well, I... Personally, I don't own a gaming console, but there is an extra one in the apartment I'm staying in, so that <laughs> has been a new addition to my routine. What do you? What's the? What have you been playing? What do they have uh, on on the console there? Uh, you know, we play a lot of Warzone, so pretty unique, mm-hmm. I guess. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, having a lot of fun with that though. It's a blast uh, playing Absolutely. with the guys. So nice. Are you, do you play with any of the any of your? Uh, like Mariners teammates or is it other other folks there at Dallas Baptist that, that you guys are working out with? Yeah, I mostly play with the guys, you know, in my apartment, but I do get on with uh, Bernie Martinez a lot. He was one of my teammates in uh, the AZL, and so we, we talk a lot, though. Hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's get right into it. Let's talk about, because you are from Texarkana, right? Which is one of those places that I sort of only know of as a concept, having never been there. <laughs> I assume from the name, it's be near the border between Texas and Arkansas. Tell me if that's wrong. No, that's actually right. Uh, I heard rumor is that it used to span to Louisiana, and that's how we got the Anna and Texarkana. Really? But I know I don't necessarily believe that. It's like forty-five minutes away from Texarkana. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, the West, I don't know if you ever played the Oregon Trail, but like basically the whole West part of the country was Oregon for a while. So, um, so growing up in, in Texarkana, your high school career, like when did you know that like you wanted to go forward with baseball? What was the scouting process like for you in high school? Were you heavily recruited? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just growing up, I kind of realized that hey, I'm better at baseball than basketball. I should probably, you know, play this more. And um, <laughs> plus, plus, basketball already had a Jared Bayless. So you, you know. True. Right? Yeah, uh, that's always fun while searching for your name. It's all, When I'm trying to do research, it's like, did you mean? No, I didn't. I would have spelled it the other way if I did. Yep, every time. <laughs> uh, you are a tall guy too, right? What's your What's your height currently? I'm 6'3". And how long have you been 6'3"? Actually, pretty recently. I think I grew an inch over the off season. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really. Oh, I mean, you big guy. So I could see the the lure of basketball. How about football? I mean, Texas. You know. Um. You know, football always sounded good in my brain, but you know, I just really didn't like the aspect of getting hit um, too much. 
In like another s- way, football did not sound good in your brain. No, no. And, and one way it did, and the other it didn't. Um, but it is a big deal. It's a big deal in Texas. So you settle on baseball. Like, I'm going to get go really all in on that. What was the recruiting process like for you? Um, it started out pretty good. I um, developed early. I was like six foot, um, easily like in middle school. And I threw harder than most of my peers. And I was getting a lot of looks, but the, the journey wasn't linear by any means for me. Um, I actually developed a stress fracture in my ulna bone, um, which is pretty uh, serious for pitchers. That's an important bone, I guess. And um, recruiting kind of fell off the table. Velocity dropped. I was confused. Didn't really understand why. Um, and then we got the x-ray in and we found out I had a ulna fracture. Um, so from there, that's kind of how I got introduced to actually the, the player development journey is it's intertwined as I realized like I'm at this level and if I want to play Division One baseball, I need to get to this level. How do I get there? And it's got to be more than just, you know, hoping. Um, so that's kind of how I got started on how do I actually get better? Mm-hmm. And so after the, when did the stress f- fracture happen? That happened my, either my freshman or sophomore year of uh, high school. And then the doctors said it was just kind of, you know, from lifting weights at a younger age, pretty intensely, mm-hmm. uh, still growing, but not much has happened from that ever since. Um, once it healed, those kind of things typically heal back a little bit stronger. Um, so yeah, it really was just a speed bump. And honestly, I didn't think about it until now probably is what got me into this whole journey that I'm in with, mm. uh, player development. So I'm, I'm curious based on that, cause I think a lot of pitching, um, the, the sort of mindset around pitching development has obviously changed and in many ways improved, I think in, in the past, even five, 10 years. Um, I know it it was reasonably common to think like well you don't you're not you don't build velocity you don't like work out to build velocity um you know that I mean that's even just to think about it now like that's a ridiculous thing logically but that that was a pretty common mindset absolutely um probably when you were growing up certainly when when I was growing up and and it was like oh, well you know you just want to be balanced and and you know loose and whatnot so w- was there a specific point for you where you sort of started to realize because you talk about it a lot now um on like I can train to build velocity and I need to train to build velocity so that so that I can be effective and reach those goals mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I remember being at a perfect game tournament and mm-hmm. I was throwing and I was like topping 89 miles an hour and I would see these five-star prospects you know throwing like 94 97 Mm -hmm. at like 16 years old and I was thinking to myself like these are the guys that I want to be competing against like I have to get on their level somehow Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I kind of just began that journey and uh, I found some like instructors who you know said like they believe there are things you know I was really young at this point um and I just started to learn, well, it makes more sense. Like, if I am stronger, I can, like, <laughs> throw harder, probably. <laughs> and that's kind of, like, the most basic uh, developments <laughs> of it at the time. But that's kind of where it started is just, like, I bet if I get stronger, <laughs> I bet I could throw harder. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that works. I don't know. Can you hear that? I was going off on and off. Me- yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So we will start that over. Um um, just, you know, what makes sense. And at the time, I didn't have any big offers on the table that I was satisfied with. Um, I really wanted to go to a, a really competitive Division One school, and that just wasn't available to me. So I did have an offer to San Jacinto Community College and went there. And honestly, my freshman year at the time, I, I wasn't good enough to, to play there. Uh, so I ended up transferring to Northeast Texas and... Over the summer, um, it really, junior college just bought me more time to figure it out. And over that summer, my velocity crept back up, and I ended up turning into what I thought to be a, a prospect for a Division One school. And um, if it wasn't for junior college, I wouldn't have had that option to um, allow myself more time and to, to find ways to figure it out and to, like, you know, end up where I ideally wanted to be, like, velocity-wise and pitching in game. And where you wanted to be school-wise, which was Dallas Baptist, the same place you are uh, 
training with nowadays, Dallas Baptist has a reputation. I've seen it called like pitcher university some places. Um, they consistently turn out pitchers who are drafted in the MLB draft. Um, what is the strength of that program? Why does it work so well? And what did you learn there? Yeah, Dallas Baptist truly is a special place to me. And I think a lot of it starts with our head coach, Dan Hefner. He's a like fantastic coach, a very uh, developmental, like oriented, um, like wants to seek out and understand things. Um, kind of this and like this data-based process and it started I guess you know before I got here he brought in Wes Johnson who's now the pitching coach with the twins and um, he laid a fantastic you know foundation uh, for our pitching department to be built off of and uh, for the pitching coach we have now Josh Harp Josh Hopper he's a uh, again like following in those footsteps and building on just that reputation that we have uh, to come in and to, to develop guys and actually get better. And so we do some things that may be a little bit more unconventional, like, uh, like we don't just necessarily do like PFPs and like this balance work. We, we get after it and we, uh, we try to be animals in the weight room and like to be the best athletes we can be. And uh, it kind of, it pays off. And then we have all that technology that we use now. So uh, just implementing that, it really helps, you know, refine and sharpen the tools that you do have. Yeah, you seem to be um, extremely tech savvy, which I know is something that the Mariners put a big importance on as an organization. So that's something that started for you at Dallas Baptist. What kinds of technology were you interacting with? Yeah, I was introduced to it like uh, at Dallas Baptist. Um, coming out of junior college, I thought I was a sinker pitcher. I thought I was going to throw sinkers and sliders. And I throw my first bullpen at Dallas Baptist on TrackMan, which is a, a system that uses like Doppler um, radar technology. And it gets signals from the, like it sends the signal off and gives us so many data sets on like the actual baseball in flight. And Basically, I threw my first bullpen, and they're like, hey, you just never need to throw a fastball below the belt again. You're going to be in the top <laughs> of the zone. <laughs> and, like, I'm, like, my jaw's on the floor. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and so that was, again, like, I'm still learning at this point. Like, still am, but uh, that was news to me um, that we meant to throw pitches at the top of the zone. So I was going to say, I would imagine were you coached up to that point like so many were coached like you want it low and away hit the knees you know lower outside part of the zone like was that a challenge to adjust to like okay now i'm consistently aiming a different part of the zone than you know you were you were necessarily trained to uh growing up yeah absolutely and and just like from the most basic sense whenever i am throwing down away i have so many reference points like the mm -hmm. catcher's knee or mm -hmm. his chest protector when I'm throwing at the top of the zone, I've got like the umpire's face mask, <laughs> yeah. um, and it took a, it took a good bit to adjust to like throwing up in the zone, and, um, and I'm kind of used to it now. But has that been like because I, I think that's actually very interesting, like the pure like targeting component. Like, do you tend to go for okay? I know my pitch has like a little bit of run, or or okay, I know this you know my fastball runs pretty true, like. So I am going to aim at the umpire's face mask. Like, what are some things for uh, pitchers that that necessarily you know work for you when you're trying to aim at that upper part of the zone uh, more consistently, as opposed to just like a chase pitch, you know, at, mm. at the eye level. Yeah, I I think of it kind of like your if you were to sight in a scope on a rifle, you mm -hmm. need a, like a zero, and just over time, I've kind of like zero dents where like my base rep, like my zero zero rep is mm -hmm. going to be up. And then from there I kind of adjust off that. Um, so it's really just, I'm throwing like up at the top of the zone. I really don't mm -hmm. want to throw any higher than that. Mm -hmm. um, so I just say, I'm going to throw it a little bit more down or more down uh, or zero mm -hmm. uh, for me. So, and that just kind of simplifies it. That's just the way I view it. 
I mean, you can say that, but I feel like that's like um, Edgar Martinez talking about like, well, first I take the ball and I send it to right field, and then I take the ball and I send it to center field, <laughs> and then I take the ball and I send it to left field. And like, of course, why wouldn't everyone do that? Uh, everyone doesn't do that because not everyone can do that. Not everyone has that kind of preternatural barrel control. So do you just have that? Is that... You know, pitchers always talk about, oh, he's blessed with a big fastball. I'm blessed to be able to throw hard. Is that your blessing that you have this preternaturally good just hand-eye coordination or ability to spot the ball? Or is that something you've developed over time? Uh, I I think it's just something that, you know, baseball players develop over time. And the longer you play, I think you get better at it uh, little by little. Um, because you do not walk people. That is, and again, that's something that we know that, how many people did you walk all of your first pro, your first pro year, you walked like what, three people maybe? Yeah, I think it was something like that. Three, I think it was. Yeah, you just don't walk people. So obviously you know how to hit your spots. And the the biggest part there was honestly actually something that I adopted from the Mariners and, um, like my first weekend, Andy McKay comes and talks to us and we're talking about, you know, control the zone or now dominate the zone. Mm. And, um, it all starts with strike one. And, you know, we've heard, we've heard that since we were kids, like the best pitch is strike one. Um, and I really bought into that and it makes the game so much easier when you just throw the first pitch in the zone and let it sort itself out. And that's kind of, and as far as in my first pro season, um, that's kind of, that was the overarching theme from my outings was I'm going to buy into this and see how it pays off. And it worked out pretty good. I see 33 strikeouts, one walk, uh, for, the, for 2019 here. Uh, if, if I'm, if I'm looking at it right. So That's I think correct. that'll, yeah. that'll do that'll, that'll work. That'll play. Yeah. I don't think you walked anyone in Arizona. Uh, let's move then to talking about your pro career and your, you know, getting drafted by the Mariners, going into the professional development. What was the biggest adjustment that you had to make uh, as a pro? Um, the biggest adjustment for me was like managing my my workload and my, like my throwing volume. As I went from college, where we only play, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday, and now we're playing, you know, in the AZL, it's every three, four days, and then an off day. Um, so I was pitching way more frequently during the weeks. Um, and just kind of managing that workload, something I really had to kind of adopt and develop my own process. And I had some help from like Trent Blank and then Money or Munzone. Um, they helped a lot throughout that, that first little process of just figuring out my routine and not overthrowing because then I'm just spending all my bullets where I don't need to, not in the game. How much, uh, how much, uh, guidance has that sort of, transitioned then into like off-season work where right i mean and especially now i i'm jumping ahead a little bit but like you know how how much especially when it would be you know this would be your season this would be you're stretching out into you know maybe having 30 40 innings or so in in game potentially by this point um you know how how do you sort of work that like into that off season, how much am I throwing, you know, versus in season, quote unquote, how much am I throwing? Uh, you know, how, how have you worked that out and have you gotten some guidance on that? Yeah, I've actually recently adopted, like started using the, the modus, um, throwing sensor unit. Mm-hmm. And so I track my workload with that. I've been using it for about a month and a half. And I think, um, really the, the biggest part was just kind of just negligence and, and not being aware of that and not tracking it. And, you know, if I am tracking it, I can measure it and I can change it and improve it. And so more recently, um, that was been a, a focus since I do have access to it now and being able to, um, see like, Oh, I, I need to get 30 more throws in today to like strain my body appropriate appropriately for this week. Um, so if I am trying to slowly increase my, um, acute to chronic workload i can do that with this app it's fantastic um i don't have to guess anymore and i that's that's what i like to hear is just not guessing so Mm -hmm. that doesn't make a big difference it's very helpful to have somebody tell you exactly what to do or 
do this and you will have achieved X threshold. Um, which I think is, as John was kind of alluding to, a huge challenge in this current quarantine time. But you are already, so I think you've talked a little bit about your journey or this journey. It seems like you are recently have become very invested in this journey to self-improvement, this journey to throwing better and throwing harder and just improving the quality of your pitches across the board. So when did you get really intense in that process and what kind of, what was the inciting incident or what sparked you to get on this journey? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, I guess it's kind of like just one of my personality traits is I, I, I just want to be good at something. And, um, I really enjoy the process of, you know, just getting better. Um, it's awesome to see you write down a goal. I want to do this. And then you develop a plan and then you, you train your butt off to do it. And then when you do it, it, it's really rewarding. And I think that process is that really, um, addicting, like I said, and just being able to set out a goal and accomplish it, whatever it is. I, if I weren't playing baseball, I, I like to think I would be doing kind of the same cyclical um, pattern <laughs> somewhere else. Um, but I guess this is just where um, my You'd be the my best darn <laughs> computer programmer out there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so even with that, uh, it's so much of that's got to be given back to my coaches I've had in the past, you know, at given me this mindset and the tools to to think this way um so maybe not maybe if i didn't play baseball i wouldn't be like this so well who knows hopefully you would have run into some equally talented computer programming teachers (laughs) um talk us through your arsenal and what you throw and like maybe we could look at kind of how those pitches have evolved for you Mm -hmm. over time Okay, so with the fastball, like I said earlier, I thought I was a sinker guy. Um, I just had no clue. <laughs> um, so I was like living in the down in the zone, throwing in to righties. Um, and so I get to DBU, and they're like, hey, you have a really high spin rate. Uh, you need to throw at the top of the zone. And all that means is my ball is just spinning uh, a little bit faster than average. Um, and if you, you can use that spin more efficiently, um, so fighting directly against gravity, um, at the pitch will, like you said earlier, will stay more true to its trajectory. Um, so like hitters are anticipating a certain amount of break just because they've seen, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of pitches in their lifetime. They intuitively kind of know how much it's going to drop. And mm-hmm. if I have a pitch that drops less, then they're not going to be able to pick it up and they're going to like pop out or they're going to swing and miss it. Um, but now hitters are catching on and they're getting really smart and they can adjust. But so that was kind of the, the initial proce- uh, process with the fastball was I have a high spin. Um, it stays true and I have a, a lower release height. Um, so that just changes the approach angle of the pitch. So think more flat instead of mm-hmm. downhill. Um, so I'm getting even further away from the, the slightly uphill swing pattern, um, the bat path. And that's just in college, at least, that was kind of my bread and butter. Is I would throw 95% fastballs and just live off that. Uh, but in pro ball, um, like the hitters are just more talented uh, through the lineup, and they can make adjustments. You know, with they're more accustomed to this data. Uh, so if they tell the hitter, "Hey, this guy is 28 in, or like 20 inches of vertical induced movement," you know, they're gonna uh, change their swing or their approach and try to hit the top half of the ball, and they're gonna hit line drives now. So now I got to throw breaking stuff. So I got to develop <laughs> this stuff now. Um, so I really just kind of, I had a curveball slurvy uh, type pitch in college. I just didn't rely on it too much. And that became a, a bigger factor uh, when I did get into pro ball to throw that. And it's more sweepy, horizontal break. Um, so like I have that pitch and then I have a, a faster, shorter version of that pitch that I throw. I call it a slider gets tracked as a cutter a lot um but that's that's been kind of my my bread and butter this this quarantine off season is really trying to develop that and throw it absolutely as hard as possible i feel like if i could throw a slider cutter hybrid at 88 or 90 miles an hour Mm -hmm. i'll take that 10 times out of 10 so that's kind of been where i'm working um and just 
Thankfully, I have access to like TrackMan and Rapsodo, which again are just ball flight technology. You can measure it, track it, change, uh, and trying to get the right spin, like the right axis, the right efficiency to get it to move the way I want to. Um, and yeah, so, well, the change up too. Um, in the meantime, that's been kind of a lost call as I lost feel for it, but we'll work and try to figure it out at some point for <laughs> spring training. <laughs> Got a little bit of time on your hands, probably. Um, how have you gone about uh, sort of working on that pitch design, specific, you know, specifically for the off-speed stuff? Is it? I mean, obviously, you mentioned using the the Rapsodo data and TrackMan data, and sort of tweaking, and and you get that sort of immediate response, which is obviously fantastic. Um, but are there like you know, generally, I think it, it's reasonably well understood, like, higher spin is better. Um, but, like, you know, and, and spin efficiency is, is valuable in these things. But, like, are there pitchers or pitches that you are looking at and saying, I really like how that moves or how that works? Or, or this looks, you know, this lines up kind of with my release or my extension or, or my, you know, my slot... I'm going to try and emulate this. Are, are there things like that that you're working on uh, as well? Or, or is it, you know, I know what I've, I'm doing and I'm going to try and keep refining this sort of piece, piece by piece. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it, at different times, it's, it's both of those. I think <laughs> I see somebody and I'm like, I'm going to chase that shiny thing and I want to throw that. <laughs> um, and then part of it's like me talking myself back, like, hold up. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I would like to throw, you know, like Garrett Cole's fastball or something like that, too. Sure. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it kind of swings back and forth between the two of, I think that's a very similar, uh, like release, angle, um, spin axis that I could actually achieve. Um, and then part of it is, well, I have, I think I have a really good base here. Let's see if I can sharpen it and turn it into something real. Um, I'll give you the example though, is my arm slot really doesn't lend me to be able to throw a, a curveball with a, a lot of depth, like not a 12, six. It's just really hard for me to kind of achieve that the way my arms coming through. And so, but for a while I chased that and I wanted it. And, mm. um, I made a post on my Instagram talking about it as basically as my arms coming through at a, probably a two to seven, two to eight, um, Axis, like arm slot mm -hmm. on the clock and for me to throw a 12-6 that I'm going to have to somehow come off of this plane of rotation find the front edge of the ball and then continue back on this plane of rotation and it's just not very efficient um, I would I could lose spin rate I could get the spin efficiency I'm looking for and it could give me the data that I was like looking for but mm -hmm. to the hitters it's I'm going to tip it it's just not going to be as good as I'd want. So it is kind of, like you said, finding that, that right mold. Like, hey, this guy does have a lot of key metrics that are similar to mine. Mm -hmm. Let's see how he throws it. Let's see if I can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but do you I, have I anyone was... in particular that you look at and you're like, oh, we have a similar arm slot? Would somebody um, who kind of I've, could steal I've, from? Yeah, I've, I've looked at a lot of guys, you know, are have a lower release slot and aren't two seam guys um that's kind of the big takeaway of the mold i look for is i do have a, like a lower arm slot um i think my release height is like five four um wow yeah so it's it's tricky to find someone who has a five four release height and isn't throwing two seams um or something that runs a whole lot mm -hmm. uh, i'm trying to mess above the barrel with like kind of a vertical movement um so like i do look at like scherzer hater um and a couple other guys very similar who are able to throw at the top of the zone from a low release slot and not mm -hmm. really necessarily throw these massive turbo sinkers like Kluber mm -hmm. or some other, like Castillo and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, have you always had this, because uh, you're, you know, especially talking about your, your lower arm slot um, and, and, Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm trying to describe this, obviously, based on watching video, predominantly from your Instagram. Um, but 
you you have I think a very interesting uh, sort of load uh, that's pretty. It's a pretty quick load, and it's it does not come up high. You know, I think there's there's a lot of teaching of like you should you want to be symmetrical all the way through, and you want you know and do and there's been at least a decent amount of pushback on well that's not necessarily the most important <laughs> thing because you you need to generate torque and you need to you know get your arm to a certain point. Um, how how did you sort of settle on, okay, I'm, I'm going to have this sort of short draw and then, and come through at the lower, at this lower, uh, slot, but, but still feel comfortable with that. Hmm. Um, the lower release slot was actually something that's whenever I got to Dallas Baptist and they said, Hey, like, we'd like you to throw at the top of the zone. You have the high spin rate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing is, you know, as a pitcher, we just want to be away from average. The average release slot release height is like, six foot we don't want to be six foot if the average release side is two foot four we want to stay away from there as much as possible and so those were like the two key identifying factors was that my arm slot is lower and i had a high spin rate with um some trueness to the pitch so it would play uh up better so that was something that's just been kind of natural but um as far as like the lower half that was kind of the the thing that i went into this offseason wanting to change um, was how my lower half functioned in the delivery is basically I, in this most broad sense, your back leg and front leg, the goal is to transfer energy up the chain to our upper body so we can throw hard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So my back leg is, it needs to, the way we say is deliver the pelvis or put it into a position to where the front leg can accept uh, that energy and momentum from the back leg and then redirect it up. Mm-hmm. And I identified a kind of a, um, a bad movement that I was doing that was kind of inhibiting me from sending all of the energy I needed up. Because um, if we look at, is it a strength issue? No, like uh, there's guys who are 180 pounds that are throwing 100 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm at 230, why am I not throwing it? So it's, <laughs> it's clear... <laughs> So it's a movement issue. So that was kind of like this thing this offseason is, uh, if you notice, I do a lot of lower half kind of constraint drills, and that's just to keep me in this pattern and trying to like give me guardrails to to not deviate from this ideal pattern that I'm shooting for. Um, I think and- that's one of the more complicated things for somebody who doesn't know so much about like pitching development. As you look at the Instagram and it's like, you're doing one very small movement and it's just like, it is just a, a hip thing or like, it's a very isolated movement. And you're like, how does that help you be a better pitcher? I thought being pitch- being a better pitcher meant throwing as hard as you could against a wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a uh, broha. Yeah, it's definitely from face value. It's like, what is this guy doing? Like uh, one time this off season, I went and visited my fiance she went to the University of Arkansas, and I had no catch play partner. So I went to the parking garage on campus, and I'm just hucking these plyo balls at the concrete wall, and I got so many weird looks. Like, what is, <laughs> what is this guy doing? I did see that Instagram post. It was actually kind of beautiful in a way, like you in this kind of gross oil-stained <laughs> parking garage. Very, very grunge. It was, it, was a, it was a grunge baseball shoot for sure. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, but that I think is, you talk a lot about like hinge. Could you describe what hinge is? 
Yeah, so as far as very broadly, um, the way I understand it to be is we have these two lower half mechanics um, that we can detail. So like if I say you're going to squat, um, you can begin to think of like um, you have a, a barbell on your back and you're going to do a squat um, versus a deadlift would be more of a hinge pattern. So basically in, in a squat, the your torso, so just your thing about your spine is more vertical. It's more pointing upright to where in a hinge, um, it's going to be increasing more like parallel to the ground um, so when you hinge it kind of loads your posterior chain so like your hamstring glutes um, a little bit more efficiently and that's just a movement that we have identified for most guys helps them throw a little bit harder versus a squat pattern um, which is not going to be as efficient at transferring energy in the direction and the angles that we want to, to throw hard and so that manifests with you essentially leaning a little bit forward like when when you're when you're uh coming set you've kind of got your feet offset your your back foot's on the rubber your front foot's sort of almost uh in line with the front of the the right-handed batter's box mm-hmm. um and i mean is that sort of to help encourage that to to sort of help encourage that little bit of extra hinge so that you're when you're when you start transferring your weight forward, um, you know, you do have that little bit of extra lean so that you, you can get the, uh, your, your weight transfer through. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think, you know, it's kind of happened naturally. And I think it may be a, a combination of some of the specific drills I'm doing. Um, as my set position has just blended more into like a, a slightly more regressed version of that drill. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, now that you say that, I think, that probably is the case is it it just intuitively i guess i've realized it just allows me to kind of hit that pattern more easily i guess Hmm. um have you had situations where in making these adjustments it it, you know what you're describing i think is is very interesting where uh from a external view it could look like oh an adjustment was made it was one big thing and then now they're doing this and they're doing this better or they're throwing harder or this pitch has more movement or whatnot it sounds like it's been a lot of incremental small components but has there ever been a point where you sort of struggled with your command or your effectiveness um in making these changes were, were there changes that you made that you were like i have to walk this back this is not working for me <laughs> yeah definitely um like i said this was a journey and there was a, <laughs> there was a bit where i got worse um <laughs> Look, actually, that, that's great to hear though like what, what yeah, happened absolutely is not that's linear. Going, well, no that's we're being happen. honest here um um so at in junior college i was throwing like I would sit 91 to 94 um, for six, seven innings in my starts, and it was natural. Um, but as I'm playing baseball and developing in my baseball career, I'm also kind of like learning more and figuring it out. And um, I don't know, like, what the what's the uh, confirmation bias? Um, Danny Kruger, Drew, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. I think you almost got that right. I, I just watched the video the other week, and basically it's this, it's this graph that says, like, when you don't know much, you think you know a lot, and then as Dunning-Kruger. you know more... Dunning-Kruger. Yes, good job. You, Where people you, believe they're smarter and more capable than they actually are. Yes, so that was me, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> I thought I knew everything. Um, Jared Dunning-Kruger-Bayless. Uh, so yeah, Northeast, um, and community college, I was throwing a lot harder. And then I got to Dallas Baptist and, um, through process of trying to get better and change things, I changed the wrong things. And my VLO went down to where I was averaging like 88 to 90 miles an hour. And I'd have this random occasional outing where I'd be 91 to 93. Uh, and that lasted all the way up until this off season. Um, mm-hmm. and Oof. Yeah, oof. <laughs> so that that's a journey that that was really kind of grueling, and because I was like, I've thrown harder before. I've thrown harder in this in high school. What's going on? Um, I know more now than I have before. What is it? And you know that's real, and I think that's to be expected. A lot of guys, you know, you think, oh, well, I'm gonna 
do driveline or I'm going to do this and mm-hmm. it's going to pay off. And it, it's not, like I said earlier, it's just not linear. And I think that's why it's really important to, uh, as I am making these changes, is I'm making way more educated changes um, as I'm going through this with the help of, like, this offseason I partnered with Tread Athletics um, and my throwing trainer helped me identify specific weaknesses or, like, deficiencies that I was using um, and just helped me choosing better movement strategies to throw harder. And that has paid out, paid off a lot. It was a great investment in my career uh, this offseason, and it's still paying off. So I'll just keep rolling with it as long as I can, I guess. It's so challenging because it's not like you don't take a course in college on pitch design, right? Or pitching mechanics. Maybe you could take like an anatomy class or something and figure out how the body works and efficient movement patterns and stuff like that. But every person is different. So you don't really know, you know, it's not like you could learn the same set of information. You have to learn it for your own body and for your own movement. And the only way to do that is you said like to go and try and fail and try a different thing and but you also at the same time have to have kind of a linear plan for going through it so that you know you're not changing a bunch of stuff at once and then think you don't get the result you want or you do get the result you want but you don't know what change it was that led to that so you have to be super intentional about that that's actually something that we've heard about having been a problem in mariners professional development in past years under the previous regime is there were a lot of reports about guys getting a ton of information. There was a lot of good information out there, but it was overwhelming. They couldn't sort through it. They were hearing different things from different coaches. Not everyone was on the same page. Uh, and it was just, it was kind of a mess, to be honest. It was, it was a mess of professional development. Um, how have you navigated that and have the Mariners given you any help in navigating through how to kind of isolate in on these are the these are the steps i need to take that will help me get better yeah definitely um they help me create and identify like target pitch shapes um and i actually had a really close relationship with trent blank uh the pitching strategist with the mariners he was actually our uh, player development coach at dallas baptist um the two years that i was there Uh, so we've had a fantastic relationship and he's helped me progress in my baseball career as well as kind of my player development uh, side gig career. And, um, oh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh, so (laughs) um, what I was going to say is uh, that's definitely not the case as far as, like, guys hearing different things from different coaches. My experience with the Mariners has been one message from a lot of different people, and I've been thoroughly impressed um, with just how specific and how, in tune everyone is top to bottom i can tell like they genuinely care and are trying to make me the best player i can be and like their ultimate goal is to see each and every one of us like in the big leagues um and while it not happened they're still like investing in, in me a 33rd rounder there may not even ever be a 33rd round ever again and yeah. they're still caring for me um that that says it all um i'm really you know proud to be a mariner and to be in this specific time as a mariner that's a great thing to hear especially that you're hearing all the same message from many different voices because i think that consistency is super important within that though within kind of these broad organizational goals of dominate the zone or whatever do you still feel like each pitcher because not every pitcher is is like you we've heard from other guys who are like nah, i'm not a big analytics guy or um, no, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in, in sitting down and watching a bunch of film. I just, um, is there still a space for individuality as far as being a pitcher is concerned while there's this core message that you're all getting? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, what's beautiful is they, they really take us as like a, like uh, N equals one, like everybody is their own case study. Like we said earlier, um, mm. it's really individual. And like to me where I'm taking information and assimilating it and applying it to my delivery, um, they're, you know, encouraging and assisting in this process for me. And um, like, I'm thankful to have to where it's not just me thinking about my delivery, my pitch arsenal. I've got um, a entire group of pitching coaches and analytics department, like looking at what's going to make me the most successful. 
think it's inspiring to look at, okay, here you are, you were a guy, you were not consistent with your velo, not maybe throwing as hard as you could have been. And then all of a sudden you're posting Instagrams and you're, you're hitting mid nineties and, you know, hollering in celebration. It's really exciting. I was very overjoyed for you the day that I watched that Instagram. I whooped in my own little house <laughs> far away um, because I know what a journey that was. What would you say to a young pitcher who looks at that and is like, well, I want to do that too, because I think that there, there's an idea about how you th like, oh, you just train, train harder, throw harder, throw weighted balls, like that starts with the arm. And I, it sounds like your discussion of your journey to throwing harder actually starts from the ground up rather than from the arm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I guess my, my biggest piece of advice, if I could talk to a younger pitcher is like I've detailed my journey and it, it's not very linear. I went down um, and I had to struggle for a little bit before I figured it out is fine. There's plenty of people who have struggled enough to figure it out so that you don't have to struggle. Um, if I could go back and do it again, I'm going to, I'm going to driveline and I'm, I'm going to go to tread athletics. I'm going to go to these other, like there's plenty of fantastic um, like developmental minded places that are backed by science backed by data have a excellent understanding of the the movement if i could have learned from then it would have made from them it would have made the process a lot easier but instead i had to learn myself what was wrong you know what's not right um, but in hindsight i wouldn't change it anyway because now i'm i'm more prepared to handle future setbacks by now i know so many things what not to do um but if I could do it again, it would make it a lot simpler. <laughs> <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. Um, I, I wanted to ask just real quick about um, about using the modus um, because uh, you know, we've we've talked a little bit. Right? We I think probably a couple of years ago at this point, we we talked to Kyle Body and and um, it was you know very interesting. But you know, seeing how I mean, even from then to now, the sort of degree of influence of places like driveline and, and the yeah we remember growth. when driveline was like a grubby little facility <laughs> outside in Ken. Uh -huh. yeah that was like kind of looked down upon by the rest of the industry like uh -huh. what is this what does this guy think he knows what does uh, this gambler think he knows about pitching <laughs> but um you know it, it is you know place driveline and places like driveline are you know becoming if not, you know, the main, you know, necessarily a sort of source of pitching development uh, expertise, they, they are they're at least growing up to sort of equal level with with a lot of other uh, mindsets. And so could you just tell us a little bit more, um, not necessarily to do an ad read for Moda specifically, but uh, <laughs> but I think it's a really fascinating thing. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I... I all all of these things are the types of things where it's like I was a very bad Division three pitcher, but I just I want to like watch <laughs> and like get into like see just to see how these things work. So I love hearing about from guys who are you know using these tools. Like how what was you know when you first got involved in this? Was it like oh my god, this is a wall of data? Like what do I do with this? Versus like how are you like what what is the specific feedback and like what what does it give you um and what are you able to utilize that that helps you immediately improve and and respond uh and and adjust what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis yeah that's a that's a great question and the modus i actually started using it a while back when it was relatively simple uh, mm. and they've expanded it a lot now to where it'll do a lot of things that i'm still discovering and still learning um that i'm gonna need a crash course on um <laughs> But essentially, it just it gives us actionable data as far as workload and how much stress we're putting into the elbow joint and the elbow, like all the surrounding tissues. Mm -hmm. um, and it does it all like it's so simple. It's not like some like biomechanics lab where you need a biomechanist, you mm -hmm. need all this equipment, <laughs> you need like this massive computer where you can just like hear the fans like mm -hmm. burning up. Mm -hmm. Like it's so simple and. I was thinking about the other day is I get kind of frustrated when I use it, to be honest, um, <laughs> because I I don't like to have my phone on me when I train. Mm -hmm. And this 
pairs to my phone in real time sure. and gives me all this data. So like each time I go and change to a different plyo ball, so from like 450 grams to, to do a 225 gram ball, mm-hmm. I have to enter in the, the weight. Mm-hmm. And that would frustrate me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm just going to quit using it because it's taking away from like my focus. And then I thought of like how weak and just silly I was being because I was like, <laughs> it gives me su- such good data mm-hmm. at the lowest cost. It's literally just do I want to enter in the number? And I realized <laughs> the pros vastly outweigh the cons and it is 100% worth it. Um, but as far as, you know, kind of specifically what it does is the biggest part, you know, for for me and even like youth athletes that I've worked with in the past, I see this all the time is, you know, they go from basketball and then they go straight into baseball season and they they didn't they're not training like me they're not dedicating a, a month to prepare themselves for game or like game training or game intensity or more um they just kind of the, the parents say hey you're going to practice today and they go to practice um and this is such an easy way to you know monitor this workload and uh, a term that we use is called on-ramping about how if I asked, you've never ran before, and I'm like, hey, I want you to go run two miles for time as fast as you can. You're probably <laughs> going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, so essentially, that's kind of what we're doing is we're scaling you up. Kind of like the, I don't know if you've heard of like the couch to 5K, um, where yes. like it's yeah. incrementally increasing. Um, and this modus takes, it's, it's so intelligent, and it can help you navigate that process to where you can safely like bring yourself up to a tolerance level where you're less likely to hurt yourself in season. And it doesn't guarantee you're not going to get an injury. Anything could happen. Um, but it greatly reduces like your chances of getting an overuse mm. via underuse injury. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing is we see kids that are overused relative to like their, their total use. So it, it may appear to be an overuse injury, but it's really an underuse injury because they're only playing catch, you know, two times a week and it's on their game days. Um, so it does things like that. And then, it measures like your total throw count, um, a percentage, like your high effort throw count. Um, so it's kind of like, we know not all throwing days are weighted equal. And if I throw 50 throws at 50% intensity, that's going to be much different than if I throw 50 throws at 85% intensity. Um, and this can tell me that. And then I can make actionable, um, responses off that. Uh, so like one thing I use is to make sure that my recovery days are actually recovery days. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times you'll see like, oh, my arm feels good, and it's recovery <laughs> day. Well, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna take advantage of that, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go throw more. And um, then the next day, <laughs> your arm hurts, so you're like, oh, I'm not gonna throw as much, but I'm supposed to throw a lot. So you end up throwing the yeah. same amount five days in a row, and um, that's just not a good thing. That's we're not periodizing our training enough, and so it just really just kind of enables you to to make those decisions and just to not guess. And really, for me, it it keeps me accountable to my program. I have this fantastic program written to where I'm supposed to follow it and it's going to give me the best shot I can to accomplish my goals. When this makes sure and it helps me keep accountable uh, that I am actually following it as best as I can. So I've done away with complaining about entering in the ball weight <laughs> and I'm just trying to. <laughs> that's growth. That's that's just that's what we call growth. Was it ever uncomfortable like throwing with an arm sleeve or, or anything like that or did, was it reasonably normal i suppose i don't know how big arm sleeves are we i we like when you're playing baseball in seattle in february it's like you need like three layers <laughs> I, I don't know if, but it's more of an encumbrance in texarkana yes you know definitely would not like to wear a full arm sleeve um originally the modus used to have like a full arm sleeve and now um that modus is with driveline driveline has hooked me up with a uh, like a more of a tennis elbow brace so oh, if you nice. can look on my instagram it's 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 very lightweight it holds the sensor in place uh, oh, yeah, a thousand crazy. times better yeah um and honestly I, it doesn't it doesn't cross my mind that it's there I, sometimes i forget to take it off before i leave the clubhouse <laughs> in addition to being super high tech uh you're also a little low tech a little little analog um you have a journaling practice right yes uh, describe that for us. Yeah, so it's just kind of a routine that I've developed that, you know, just me as a person, uh, that's a that's another thing that I have to think about is I'm not just a baseball player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I need to take care of myself uh, mentally. And 
Um, that's kind of a process that I've developed just over, I guess, when in pro ball is really when it started. Um, you know, just being out alone in Arizona, no car, I can't distract myself. I'm like mm-hmm. forced to be like, oh, let's think through this. And um, Arizona in the summer, not exactly a place you want to go walking around. Yeah, exactly. So in Arizona, I was actually just across the street from the complex and the apartments. And mm-hmm. I'd have to be at the complex at like, mm, like noon or one. And I didn't want to sleep in all day. That's just not for me. So I'd just go to Starbucks and crack out my my journal and I would just kind of, you know, think through things and uh, try to learn. I, I really enjoy the process of learning and um, it's really helped me out a lot just thinking through uh, like my own headspace and it's less for like detailing it and tracking it and then applying like the scientific method and be like, well, if I change this, like it's more just a very like organic um not, a, not super structured, but um, if there's something on my mind, I'll write it down. But one thing, this quarantine that I've been trying to do is, you know, um, change the way I think. Is hmm. I get really bored because I can't go outside. I can't go do <laughs> things. I, I throw baseballs, yep. and I throw plyo balls, and then I play Warzone like two hours from <laughs> 9 to 11 p.m. So I got to make up the other days and there's some the other hours of the day in there somewhere. And um, with our mental skills coach, um, with the Mariners, he's challenged us to, to you know, start journaling uh, things we're grateful for. And um, as of recently, that's been a, a pretty big impact as far as just, it's it's all about perspective and how you're viewing things. Um, if, you, if you're like kind of have a toxic headspace, then the things that you're presented with are going to be shown in that light but if you have a grateful headspace the same things could happen and you could perceive them completely different and that's just kind of mind-blowing me for the past couple days thinking through that because it is tough i mean this is a tough situation for everyone but i think it's especially tough when you know you've worked this off season came into this season all ready to show off your new skills and uh, I know a lot of players had a lot of excitement about the season, and now there isn't one. And I think you had an Instagram like, am I just going to throw bullpens till February? And that's depressing, right, to look forward and look at that stretch with kind of no baseball in it. And, you know, maybe you get one of your brave friends to stand in against you. But it was pretty difficult to replicate. I mean, obviously you can't replicate a live game experience, so... How has that been impactful in in changing your mind about what is honestly a pretty crappy situation for all of us? Yeah, it's, um, you know, each challenge is unique in its own for different people. Um, But I got by for a while just, you know, taking the day for what it is and challenging it and chasing this goal of I'm going to sit 94, 95 miles an hour and working for it. And... Uh, the realization kind of hit me that like I'm 10 months into this off season and I have eight months left and, oh. Oh. um, Oh my gosh. So I kind of hit that like mid season lull or this mid off season lull where I was like, you know, I do enjoy greatly getting after training. Um, but you know, is that it? And, uh, through recent conversations, I kind of had to realize that I do need to be incorporating uh, the end goal in mind to like give me something to long for and to chase after like what is the goal of this training and it's ultimately I want to you know pitch in the big leagues and to bring that into my headspace and to give me something to chase after to keep it fresh so it's not just this repetitive monotonous dynamic throw post throw lift and do it all again tomorrow it's um and trying to incorporate that there, there is a, there is an end to this, and there is a goal that I'm chasing after. And the more I attack it, the closer like I'll get to being there. There's a real significant chance that you could be, if you make it to the big leagues, either the last or one of the last thirty third round draft picks to ever make it. So, you've you've got a responsibility to carry the mantle. <laughs> You know, we'll see what we got. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, Talk to us a little bit about Jared Throws. We'll let you put in a plug for what you've been doing. First, I want to start this by saying I did, in my research, trying to find Jared Bayless, the 
baseball player, not the basketball player, uh, come across your dad's LinkedIn. Oh, uh, okay. which has a very charming paragraph about how his goal is to teach and to and he's he's an insurance auto adjuster. Yeah, he's he's licensed uh, to be an insurance auto adjuster, and he just got a new job at a. Uh, a body shop in Texarkana, and he's really excited about that. They have air conditioning, which is a oh, big deal. That's something to be big deal. Uh, yeah. So uh, know, that makes me happy that you saw that. I'm a, he'll be happy to hear this. It was very, it was very cute because the whole thing was not so much about like the insurance adjusting, which I'm sure is very important too. But it was mostly about I want to teach people, I want to help people learn, and I was like, wow. Like father, like son, it sounds like, because it seems like you also have a huge focus on education, teaching and learning and stuff like that. So I was wondering if we could draw the line from like your dad to you and what you're trying to do with the Jared Throws Instagram page. Yeah, like, thanks for sharing that. I had not looked at his LinkedIn page, I, I have to admit. Um, but LinkedIn you know, LinkedIn searches it, come up really easily when you're Googling names. They've just... got the algorithm figured out. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, that's great to hear. And, you know, me and my dad, uh, we are more alike than I had originally thought. Um, and that's something, I guess, <laughs> another yeah, that's another process of growing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I guess that's really true. I, I really do enjoy teaching. I've always said, I guess, like end goal, I think a profession that I just greatly enjoy would be being a college professor. I like, that just sounds awesome to be able to do that. Um, but yeah. as far as the Instagram page, it really just started out as, I don't know, I saw someone else who had a throwing page and I was like, well, in college, I was like, oh, I could probably start one and let's see what happens. <laughs> and um, now that um, I got drafted, you know, people actually kind of want to see, we know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I, uh, I tried, <laughs> there's not really an intention there. I just, um. I just like putting out stuff, you know, to show people what I'm doing, and if I can give away some some uh, teaching points to help the you know the next generation figure it out, uh, I would love to do that. And I've had a lot of engagements with just guys all over the country, you know, asking for advice on this or hey, what are your thoughts on this? This is what I'm working on. Do you think this is a good option or a bad option? And I can't help them out a whole lot because, you know, I'm only seeing one point on their timeline, but mm -hmm. it's just awesome to be able to, to reach out to those guys and, um, talk to them. Cause yeah, I am, I am a baseball player, but eventually I want to work in like the exercise science community, specifically in baseball player development. I, it's kind of my passion and the more I can equip myself and build that resume for, um, post baseball life, um, I think the better I'll be. So, and I'm lucky enough to where my, uh, career goals outside of baseball actually make me a better baseball player. So the more I learn, you know, the more I can apply or the more I can to know to cross-reference and figure concepts out. It, it really helps out a lot. So it's, yeah, there's just not a, a big goal. I'm not trying to like be Instagram famous with that account. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Not Instagram famous, but a very useful reference for People who want to just know more about pitching, who cannot throw a ball to save their lives, like myself, or <laughs> people who actually want to uh, get on this journey that you're on. Because I think everyone, every aspiring pitcher wants to throw harder, right? So give us that handle one more time. It's at Jared Throws, and it's spelled a little bit different. It's J-A-R-O-D, Throws. And we'll put that in the, in the link to the podcast here. Uh, one more plug. Do you want to plug your fiance's graphic design? Because I saw some of the stuff she did for, um, she worked for the Frisco Rough Riders, right? Yes, she did. She did some dope graphics there, for yeah, them. She's, she's awesome. And yeah, so Hannah, I got to pull up her action, her account name. I think it's Hannah Rayner Designs, Graphic Designs. I'm going to pull it up right now so I can get it right. Yeah, but she's a graphic designer and she just landed a, a job in Waco, Texas. So wow. I'm really excited for her. She's awesome at it. And I can't wait to see, you know, where her graphic design career goes. But um, yeah, that's really exciting for us. Um, and she's killing it over there. She's doing a great job. That is so cool. I really thought the Frisco Rough Rider stuff was very cool. And again, 
for somebody looking to get a baseball adjacent job um, who is not an athlete like myself, graphic design. <laughs> yeah. So I need to get her to make me some graphics. I've been hounding her for that, but she's pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's <laughs> Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, Rainer, R-A-I-N-E-R, Design. Right. And I'll tell her to update it because she hasn't posted since May. Um, <laughs> but got to show off some of her latest stuff. And hopefully, eventually, your personal branding for... <laughs> yeah, Jared Throws. <laughs> for Jared Throws. I like Jared Throws. Uh, Jared, you are a font of wisdom. We have really enjoyed talking to you. Um, what a... What a... Yeah, font of knowledge you are. Oh, well, I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. I really enjoyed being on with you guys. I'm really bummed that we're we're not getting to see you put these things into action. But, um, you know, maybe we can just spend this time whipping people up into a frenzy, getting them excited, and we'll be all the more <laughs> excited to see you when you get back out there next year. Yeah, sooner than later, hopefully. Yeah, but hopefully probably later. <laughs> I, I'm still crossing my fingers for that super expanded AFL plan that they were talking about. Let's so. hope. Crossing fingers for that. In the meantime, you can keep up with Jared's journey at Jared Throws on Instagram. Uh, you also have an entertaining Twitter presence. You want to give us your handle there? Yes. Um, let's see. Sorry. <laughs> it changed recently, and that's the only reason I'm having to check. It's at Jared Bayless. Oh, that's pretty, it. Very pretty simple. simple. J A R O D. We have so many Jareds to keep track of. B A Y L E S S. All right. So, yes, you can see Jared's latest spelling lessons on Twitter. <laughs> you can see him throw on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, remember to follow at Lookout Landing, too, for all our latest news and updates. Jared, thank you so much. John, thanks for being with us. And thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next time. For the spaceship, now I'm a space cadet Big white mansion in my habitat Aim right a stitch like a laser tag Fuck a rich bitch, have a rich set Smoke a lot of trees, need a weed plant I did take a lean, where the lean at Sleeping on these G's, is a beanbag Got red going jeans, cause I'm cool rap Checking from my fan, life is fantastic 